Hello and welcome to Wake and Jake, myself, Davis Mendelson on the one and twos. Uh, fun today, uh, brother Jeff Passan will be joining us for a little bit. He's so hot to trot on the Rays. Uh, I want to corner him a little bit and see how much smoke he's blowing because I was also thinking about last year, if you remember early season last year, Jeff Passan has to be kind of tight-knit with his tweets. A lot of people have notifications on, except when he goes nuclear. Jeff Passan, watch out. Uh, but I think a lot of you baseball fans will remember this from last year. Jeff Passan was tweeting about the Mariners a lot when they were getting it going. He was tweeting a lot about Ty France and like how much people need to be talking about Ty France. He got hurt. Uh, I wonder if that was just the Mariners were the upstart team and he feels it's his obligation to tell people that how good the Mariners are. I wonder if it's teams from markets that just don't get discussed as much that he feels he has to pick up some of the slack on that. With all that being said, the Rays are now on an 11-0 start to the season, which is historic, I, I think 1987 or something like that. Uh, again, I don't think it's against the class of the class. They have been the Red Sox 1-0-7-2 last night. Two more games. As we ended talking baseball with on Monday, if you told me the Boston Red Sox were going to Tampa for a four-game set, I would have told you Tampa would win three out of four. Anyways, hey, they got the first two. Uh, let's see if the Sox can get either of the remaining games. But Jeff has been hot to trot on his race. So I, I want to get a little honesty hour out of him because the run differential and everything is crazy. Um, it's, a, it's a special thing that's going on in Tampa right now, and we want to find out more about that. Uh, the other team that's turning my head a little bit and they had a walk-off home run last night is your Texas Rangers Jonah Heim uh, former talking baseball Daisy Petal winner uh, with the walk-off in the 10th inning against uh, the Kansas City Royals which I did see some sad stats popping up about them their hitting was really struggling to get going uh, Vinny Pascantino, three-hit night. We like that. And Bobby Witt with a couple hits, too. So hopefully, again, in, in a small sample, hopefully our Royals can get the juices going a little bit more. But, yeah, I, I found myself spinning about the Texas Rangers again just because when you really go through the talent they've added in the past couple years, um, I... I don't want to throw our guy Trevor Plouffe under the bus too much, but if he didn't have too much angst from the Texas Rangers ending his career, would he? Would we talk about them better? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think the DeGrom injury scare is always crazy, but it feels like we said the words about their rotation so much that they added all these guys. But they added all these guys. DeGrom Evaldi, Martin Perez, who I know he's been there, but he's also was added last year. John Gray, Andrew Heaney, um, who, by the way, Heaney struck out nine straight or something like that. Did you see that? 
You saw some of that. I think it tied the AL record for most consecutive punchies. Fastball was dancing, little slide piece off of it. Sweeper, I believe the kids like to call it now. Uh, that, yeah, it's... There's something significantly different in Texas. Um, <laughs> and I know we've talked about it, but they've added... Simeon Seeger, Robbie Grossman, if you want to go there, DeGrom, Evaldi, Perez, Gray, Heaney in the past two off-seasons. That's a full rotation, a full starting five. So if you look at your team, if you're a fan of my Pirates, who are getting off to a, a decent start this year, by the way, bought a little stock from them, cool stuff going on with them, uh, Ji-Hwan Bay and G-Man Choi, the first peer, pair of South Korean teammates to homer in a game. Pretty cool. We like that. We love growing a global sport. If you told them that the, the Pittsburgh Pirates added this rotation, I, I think we'd be talking about them as the potential to win the NL Central. Now, I know the other thing we're ignoring here is that Seattle Mariners that Jeff Passan was oozing about last year. And, uh, obviously, Houston, who, a little slow start out of the gate. I don't think anyone is selling their Houston stock. Uh, and, by the way, Texas at Houston this weekend, uh, if you're looking to get into something. Uh, Perez, Garcia, John Gray, Hunter Brown, Heen Dog, Framber Valdez on the Sunday game. So, those have been the two AL teams that have been giving head turns. I thought about doing a segment. Uh, it felt a little too early and too corny of which division in baseball uh, would you bet on the standing staying the same. AL Central early on has a decent argument. Right now it's Twins, Guardians, White Sox, Royals, Tigers. I think if you could, you'd probably swap Guardians and Twins but from some of the early returns from the Twins rotation. AL East, Rays, Jays, and Yankees have the same record, 7-4. and four. Orioles, Red Sox, that if you really believe in what the Rays are doing, you could talk yourself into that one pretty quickly. Uh, Rangers, Angels, Astros, Mariners, Athletics, I think. I don't think anyone would be buying what they're selling down there. Braves, Mets, Marlins, Phillies, Nats. If you could flip the Phillies and the Marlins, people would buy that. Uh, Brewers, Pirates, Cubs, Reds, Cardinals. I don't think anyone would be buying the Cardinals at the bottom of the division. Although, you know, little yellow flag for my, my Cardinals. I know uh, there's an article came out today that's talking about William Contreras Contre uh, going from the Cubs to St. Louis and just how weird that is that, you know, trying to fill in for Yachty, different player, also like, you know, the Cubs let him go. Uh, and then uh, the West, again, I don't think too many people would be buying as my snakes are still on top of the division with the Padres, Dodgers, and Giants. Um, Brewers, 8-3, and three. watch out. Uh, they're, they're the team that's changing. The AL. Uh, all right, before we kick it to Brother Jeff, 
I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook baseball is in full swing, and whether you're rooting for the home team or betting on your favorite player, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered on this season's action. $5 pregame money line bet. Get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. The same game parlays are a lot of fun. Uh, I've been excited. My my hometown boys are getting lost in it. I'm checking my phone at about 6.30 p.m. every day to a litany of parlay bets. Uh, some winners, some losers. Ain't that life. Join the big league action now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app. Sign up with code BAKERS. Code BAKERS. New customers can bet just $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code BAKERS. I guess uh, before we get to Jeff, um, because it is getting to the final time of year, watched a little bit of the NBA play-in, play-offs last night. uh, Told Biebs. Was tracking the, the Heat game. Uh, to see if that was going to become come down to the finale. Uh, didn't really. Hawks kind of kept it out of reach for a little bit. Um, I know how hot and cold the Hawks have been this year. Uh, win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. Uh, I'll tell you this. They're going to move on and play the Celtics, and they're going to lose. Uh, I think they're going to get two from the Celtics. Uh, I still Quinn Snyder, who's their head coach, I still respect him as an NBA head coach. And Trey Young. I'm not the biggest fan. He has tormented the Knicks uh, a few times very easily. Do I think he has a little bit of playoff juice to him? I do. Um, that I think Trey Young is enough to get you a game. I think Quinn Snyder is enough to get you a game with a little bit of them attacking the glass like they did last night. Um, and then the late night game, uh, it was funny. I, I was like, I'm not going to watch this. And then the first quarter I watched, and I was like, I think I'm going to watch this. Fell asleep, woke up on the couch like I mentioned. Uh, 2 a.m., 2.30, and, uh, yeah, woke up to all the tweets and texts about how ugly the game got late. Uh, no Gobert was killing me. Uh, you know, they suspended him for one game, which is just hilarious that it's this one game. The, like, a game to determine a playoff seed, and you're out for that one. Like, if this was baseball, yeah. they would have said, like, you're suspended the first game of next year. If it was playoffs, yeah, for what for what he did, like, yeah, I don't know. That was uh, gave me a chuckle, and then yeah, fell asleep. So I can't I can't break down the end of the game to you. Uh, NBA Biebs, I know you were more locked in in both of these. Any any comments? Uh, well, the Anthony Davis foul at the end of regulation uh, is it is a foul, and sounds like made up for some. It was, it was Minnesota's first free throws of the second half, so I'm sure there was some good ref banter going on. But, uh, but yeah, made up made up for it, and the Lakers took care of it in OT. So it all it all kind of works out how it's supposed to. Mm. Yeah, I uh, part of me likes those games. What do we got tonight? We've got Chicago, Toronto, OKC, New Orleans. I think this these will be the nine tens. Yikes. Maybe I don't. Maybe I don't love these. Uh, but I am excited to get into the playoffs, and I did have Zoe, who was on a couple episodes, say 
Jake, will you go to a Celtics-Brooklyn Nets game with me? And I said no. So, uh, we'll see. If, if, if stars aligned, I'd consider it, but... Sounds like it'll be I'm not expensive and... During the like, night, honestly, like if, I, night. if I go to the Nets... I was trying to figure out the math on it. I think it would be game four if Boston... They're playing Boston, right? No, because no. Boston gets uh, Atlanta because Atlanta won then, last night. So then. why are you asking me if I'd go to a Celtics playoffs game? That's how I reasoned it in my head. I was like, oh, yeah, they're playing. They're playing. Because he was talking about how excited he is. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yell at him. All right. Uh, let's bring it to Jeff Passan. Hello, Pumpkin. Hi, Jeff Passan. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Pumpkin, huh? I mean, the Gilded Age is back soon, and remember... You oh, my God. I I had gotten that show out of my head, but I'm glad I'm glad it's back on the radar. Summer's here. Indeed it is. It's a beautiful day here in Kansas City, so life is good. How, uh, how are you? I'm great. Yeah? Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm digging the, the early MLB season so far. I'm uh, in the middle of a... Very busy uh, high school baseball season for my son, so uh, a lot of ball these days. I uh, uh, hear your son's become quite the ball player, and there might be some some content that potentially comes out of that for both of us one of these <laughs> there, days soon. There could there could be like that's that's what we call a tease in the industry. Yeah, look, Jeff, Jeff, I'm a show guy now. We've been doing this for a minute. We're like a real company and stuff now. Are you sure? Yeah, I don't. Some days I don't know, man. Uh, but I know, hey, I, I can get I can get press passes, so I like that. Um, and all the other beat reporters hate it. I don't think they do. Yeah, I don't know. I I uh, uh, Brian Hoke and Cuddy both greeted me. I went to the second game of the Yankee season, and when I was in the press dining room, they both gave me a massive "fuck you" upon greeting. Uh, well, that means they like you. Yeah, I know. That is like that is press room terms for like love and welcome to hell. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: you're not a particularly intimidating person. Okay, now we're mm-hmm. talking. So, I mean, you walk in like it might be tough to see you. Maybe they oh, okay. Were just, maybe they were just glad <laughs> that you reached their sight line. You thought you think they were nervous? They were going to trip on me. <laughs> Okay, great, great, great talking to you, Jeff. Um, hey, I w- <laughs> I'll do. I, I want to do something. I'll do something clickbaity with you, quick. Um, you you mentioned I was go- I was about to ask you in my my fake reporter voice um, if if there was anything new to this season for you, but there's obviously something new to you because there's a whole new set of rules that are making baseball games half an hour quicker. So I I guess uh, how are you doing with uh, with all of the new rules. I'm in love. My my wife gets angry and says I love the pitch clock more than I love her. Mm. It's not it's not true, but it's close. Um, it's just it's such better baseball. Like that's the thing I keep going back to. We have all of the great stuff that existed in baseball before, and none of the stuff that was downtime and dead time and I I fully understand 
the rationale of people who saw baseball as their one opportunity to just unplug from the hustle and bustle of life where everything is going so fast and you feel like you don't have any time and you just want to sit back and enjoy something that can be mindless and doesn't demand your attention. And let me tell you, that was baseball. Um, now, if you're going to be engaged with the game, you got to be really engaged with the game because if you go and grab a beer from the fridge, you're liable to miss an out or two or a half inning potentially. If you're at the ballpark and you want to go and get some concessions, uh, it may be two innings that, that you miss right there. So uh, there are drawbacks, I understand, but I think the benefits deeply outweigh the detriments. And uh, pitch clock baseball, to me, is an absolute godsend because of it. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm a fan. I do. I have these moments of, and again, it's a little bit of the beast we created because, as you know, if there's a game on, I'm, I'm also living on my phone. I'm, I'm on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there a couple of these early games. I, I felt like I was missing innings. Um, and you know, I, I, the other joke I've been making recently, like there was one night. It, I take the dog out at night, and there was one night I was like, man, I'm getting sleepy. I'd love to take the dog out, like, between innings. And I was like, I can't do it. Like, I'm, I'm, go I'm going to miss something. So, you know, there's, there's an adjustment by players. There's an adjustment by fans. Um, overall, it, it's an absolute win. I, I guess in my head I'm still leaving a little window open for a rule that I, I don't, you know, if it's a big moment or late innings or if it's, you know, even a, another disengagement or something like that. I, I'm leaving a little sliver of window open there that I think there could be a tweak or add-on for the big moments that ideally players and that breathing of baseball that people do like could potentially get to. But at the same time, it, it's uh, a little bit of adapt or die, right? Yeah, I don't think it's coming because I don't think Major League Baseball, after taking this leap forward in its mind and achieving in such short course what it was hoping to, is going to want to work backward at all. I, I think that this is here to stay. Uh, the rules are not going to be tweaked, and unless there is some sort of inciting incident that just puts everyone into a frenzy, this is what we got, and I think it certainly beats the alternative. And look, I'm open-minded too about what it can be or what it should be. But I think what it is right now is a pretty damn great version of baseball. And I just, you know, I understand the rationale from people who suggest that you know the ninth inning, the clock should be turned off. Like these, you know, these are. Important important moments and we want to make sure that uh they're given the resonance that they warrant but at the same time i, I think it's it's a little bit ahistorical to suggest that there weren't enormous moments back in the 1940s and 1950s and 1960s and 1970s when the pace of the game was moving like this um just because the pitch clock is in place does not take away from the inherent and natural drama in a close baseball game. And I don't think there's been a moment this year that I, I've seen personally so far 
where it's like, man, I wish this thing would slow down a little bit and let it breathe. Uh, I, I, you know, maybe it's going to come during the pennant race or in October, but where it stands right now, I think it's been pretty great. And I think players have for the most part adjusted. Like there are some guys who don't like it. I mean, Juan Soto doesn't like it, but the reason Juan Soto doesn't like it, Jake is purely selfish. And I get it. Like Juan Soto's like, I wanted to dictate the pace. Well, no shit. You wanted to like, of course you want to. That's a great advantage that you have as a hitter, but you're not allowed to anymore. And neither is the pitcher. The clock is the God in baseball now. And it tells you where you have to be when you have to be. And if you do not bow down to that God, it will smite you. Heavy. We're, uh, we're, we're going to spend the next 15 minutes talking mostly God smiting and your last four (laughs) political votes. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jet, uh, no, man, every, everything you're saying is right. I, I, there's just going to be, there's a little more adjustment I think I need on my end. Um, and yeah, I, I was laughing the other day. Yeah, Nestor got another start. He was a quick worker and it, it felt like he was more comfortable. Like it felt, it felt like the game <laughs> had adapted more to him. And like, yep. he, it, I don't know. It, it's just funny that. I think with some of these tweaks, the uh, the guys that were already doing it are getting rewarded. And, yeah, you know, the the slow guys, the step out of the box, both batting gloves, the whole, you know, Nomar routines and things like that, they're still feeling it. But I, I think as, well, as humans, getting back to the heavy stuff, we, we adapt easier than I think we like to that, you know, this is April 12th. Um, I have a you know, a slight sliver of a complaint. I, I think by April 30th, it's, this is just baseball. Yeah. And, and isn't it a good thing that there are elements to the game that can be leveraged and that, you know, there are parts here now where guys who may not have had an advantage before all of a sudden have one and that you can train yourself to be like that when you're in the minor leagues or even when you're in college, like, I just think that as long as the set of rules allows for uh, players not to necessarily be uniform, uh, that, that, you, that there's not this path that you can walk down and have immediate success, then the game itself is succeeding at that point because uh, you know we are all individuals in the end. And that individuality has always been one of baseball's hallmarks to me, whether it's the way a guy throws a ball, the way a guy swings, uh, his approach either on the mound or inside the batter's box. And I don't think that these rules have robbed players of that individuality. No, no. Um, all right. I, I mean, hey, I, I thought that's where you'd land, but I, I still thought I'd, I'd get it out of you. Uh, a, what are we, a week and a half into this? Two weeks? Uh, two weeks tomorrow. Uh, Jeff, the other one, or the big topic I want to talk to you about is uh, our, our friends, our, our Yankee friends in the division for a few years now. The Rays, uh, they're loving the new rules, 11-0. Uh, and I, I think they're mostly loving being healthy and the schedule makers for this year. But uh, it's also historic, Jeff. And I know baseball history hits all of us uh, short baseball geeks in a weird chord. Um, and what the Rays have done, run differential-wise, what were the, 
what were the two teams listed? Like the New York Barons and the the St. Louis Buzzsaws or something like that. That's <laughs> that that's the best run differential since 1884. Were there were there some maroons in there? Yes, maybe? yes. Yeah. Um, I I guess. What are you doing? Because it's I I've been laughing that it's you know it's as good as generic sports radio baseball radio fodder can get because it's it's a dominant team that's got some recent history with with guys who are back and healthy and a rotation that's sneaky incredible while playing a bad schedule. So you could you know if you really wanted to we could debate it up and down for four hours and we'll find out in the coming months, but. I guess how are you embodying this this Tampa Tampa Bay Rays start? I'm so tired of hearing that it's the schedule. Um, the if you win two out of every three games, Jake, yeah. over the course of a season, you're a historically great team. And so to suggest that just because the Rays have been playing some of the dregs of baseball, which undoubtedly and admittedly they have, that that lessens the impact of this winning streak, I think, is is foolish. And it's the sort of thing that people who don't know ball like to say or people who are drinking a big, fat glass of copium want to say. Um, the, the reality is the Rays are really good. And it was interesting, you know, talking with people in the organization before the season, like there was some confidence there that doesn't, Normally emanate from this team like the Rays understand who they are they are a team that needs to live at the margins and needs to find areas of success where others don't and that's why they started the opener uh, because they didn't have enough starting pitching then but it wasn't like they were using an opener just to be cute or to be tricky, they were doing it because they understand that wins are really difficult to come by in baseball, and they were going to try to come by them in any way possible. And if that meant that they were advantaged even by one, two, three percent because they were starting a relief pitcher and they had a, either a platoon advantage or a matchup advantage, they were not going to let those little advantages go by. Uh, this year, they didn't come in necessarily looking for those little advantages. They felt like if we're healthy, this team is really talented, and it may not have a lot of big names, but we got guys, they said, who really can play and who we're confident are going to put us in the middle of the American League East race. Uh, nobody there expected an 11-0 start. Like That's a, a ridiculous thing to ever expect, but I don't think – Tampa Bay is surprised now, and I don't think we should be either. Um, you know, I said, I think it was the second or third day of the season, um, I said the Rays might have the best rotation in baseball, and I kind of got laughed at, and that's fine. Um, I, I get laughed at on a daily basis by pretty much everyone I, yes. uh, you know, come to come to see in my, in my daily life. But in this case, I felt pretty good about it. Uh, that assessment because during spring training when I you know I ask uh, scouts and analysts who am I not seeing or hearing about that's really good and a lot of them said Jeffrey Springs 
Like, I feel stupid for not, like, throwing some money on him at, like, 50 to 1 to win the Cy Young because he's got a real chance to do so. He added this sweeper that's been excellent and a perfect complement to a fastball with exquisite command and one of the best change-ups in baseball. When you add that third pitch, that can be, like, a plus to a potentially plus-plus pitch. Uh, we're talking a guy who's got elite stuff and elite command, and that has Cy Young potential written all over it. Uh, Drew Rasmussen's gyro slider is another just absolute bastard pitch, and he throws the the gyro that uh, it, you know it's almost like a really hard curveball. It's a slider that just breaks straight down, and Stackhouse doesn't even know what to do with it. They call it a cutter, but. Uh, it's just a really hard downbreaking slider, and he's got a sweep or two and a fastball that's, you know, 95 to 97. Like, Drew Rasmussen's an awesome story, a guy who was dominant at Oregon State and then had two Tommy Johns and, uh, you know, was supposed to sign with the Rays. They picked him in the first round, and his physical, like, his elbow was so bad they just didn't sign him. Goes to Milwaukee in the fourth round, gets traded back in the Willie Adamas deal, which... The way Adonis has played in Milwaukee, it's like, how could anyone possibly win that trade? And I'm not saying the Rays won it, but, uh, man, they they sure broke pretty even on it. And so when you have those two, Shane McClanahan and Zach Eflin, who before he hit the injured list looked great, and Tyler Glasnow coming back, and, and when... Eflin hits the injured list, and you call up Taj Bradley, one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. Like, that is just so raised. It's so raised to do that. It's so raised to turn Luke Rayleigh and Isak Paredes into dudes. And uh, they're just a really fun team to watch, man. I know Yankees fans don't like hearing that because they want to own the division because they're the New York Yankees and this is the American League East yeah. their territory. But, man, um, it's it's hard to pick against the Rays right now, even though the Yankees are playing well and doing so without Carlos Rodon. Right, and that's, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it's so funny how baseball emotions can make you feel. If the Yankees win today's game... They've won every series. Uh, you know they they've had a homestand, their first little road trip, and and they've won every series and and in different ways with with a starting yeah. pitching staff that's still surviving. But Jeff, I you know I cover all of baseball, and I won't just do all the Yankees. The Rays are um, they are a factory man, and I Jimmy was kind of on Springs, I was kind of on Rasmussen, um, and it's yeah. funny that I I think Springs is the sexier one right now because. It's more Rays because he was, you know, he, he was just kind of, it wasn't clicking, right? Like he was, you know, Texas and Boston, he's, he's getting hit. No one can figure it out. He ends in Tampa. He drinks the Kool-Aid, and now he's one of the most feared lefty starters probably in the league to uh, his teammate and, and maybe Rodon if he comes back and a couple other guys before the the East Coast bias comes out too much. Um, that yeah, I think Rasmussen just because he was a part of the Adamas trade. It's I, I think everyone's almost like, well, thank God they gave something up for that. Um, but no, the the whole rotation is stacked, and Glassnow's stuff has an argument to be the best of them when he's back. Uh, and they were so hurt last year, man. That's the thing I keep coming back to. How many games Wander missed? Um, Brandon Brandon Lau. Um, 
You know, I, re- I remember Josh Lowe because they keep making these low Lau guys in their minor league. You know, he, he was supposed to be the guy last year, and it's looking like he's got a chance to be one of the guys this year. So, yeah, they're, uh, they are a factory in their own sick, sick way. And, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to put down an 11-0 start, um, especially the way they're doing it, both sides of the ball dominating. Uh, like you said, when the Maroons start getting mentioned, uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's a special start. We have to like we have to remember, Jake. Eighteen eighty four, the mound was fifty feet, and that was the first year that players were allowed to throw overhand. Jesus Christ! I, <laughs> I mean, that's that's like, and, and, and I look, at, you know, I I look at the Rays, and I just it's like God. I wish they had a budget because yeah. I'd be curious. I'd be curious to see what they can. They, what the Rays do really well. Uh, you know, they do a lot of things really well. But but one thing I think that it's difficult to quantify is how well run an organization it is in terms of process. And I know process is boring shit. Oh, yeah. Like, you never want to hear about process. But I think we can break it down this way that speaks to people. Um when you're trying to achieve something, right, and you lay out a plan, things always go sideways. Like, that's just life. That's the way it works. But what the Rays do really well is they adjust when things go sideways. And their plan B may not be plan A, but it's like 95% of it. And their plan C is 90% of it. And it's not like a fall off that they have. Because they value the right things. They value versatility. They value unanimity with the team just in terms of buy-in. They value uh, the process of growing players the right way. And they, they look at each player like he's a snowflake. And you are unique and you have beautiful characteristics and we're going to find them, highlight them, and celebrate them. And when you're a player and you're told you're really good at something, it's going to make you feel good about yourself. It's going to make you want to buy in. And I understand that. Listen, there's that in all organizations, and you're always trying to build guys up. But what the Rays have as an advantage is that they have a history of doing this, so guys buying into it, not thinking that it's just, you know, talk. Like, they look at that, and they say, we want to be part of this really good thing that's going on here this really unique thing where in a sport where the chasm between the top and bottom spenders is literally hundreds of millions of dollars uh we want to be the underdogs i mean it it, honestly like the underdog mentality i think uh, again something that's difficult to quantify but something that's extremely real i i mean i remember when i was working at yahoo I looked at ESPN and just like threw up the birds all the time and said, I want to go beat you because we have less resources than you because we have fewer people than you, but we can still compete. And I I think that's how the Rays approach things. Yankees, you may have the payroll, you may have the history, you may have the rings, but that doesn't make you better than us. Yeah, I mean, some of their player empowerment stuff, uh, it makes you jealous. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, they want to come get the big bad wolf, and they they have in a number of years yeah. recently. That uh, yeah, I'm hey, give me uh, <laughs> give me Rodon back, who the you know his contract is more than the current Rays payroll. Um, 
And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how it goes this year. And that's, you know, we haven't even mentioned the Toronto Blue Jays who might have more talent than both teams. So, Uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I picked the Blue Jays to go to the World Series this year. So I I don't mean to look past them. Uh, There are some flaws there, but, man, uh, I don't know if you saw last night, but Roger Center was just on fire. It was such a great environment. And that stadium, when it's full, um, is as loud as any in baseball. Are the uh, are the Rays going to be your your late night like horny tweet team like the Mariners were last year? Uh, no, because they're East Coast. So okay, not, you, that's I just mean, a time thing. Jake, Jake, games are ending at like nine fifteen or nine. Yeah, I know. And 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 that's I, I mean I'm Central, so it's like it's early in the night for me. Like I haven't even eaten a snack yet at that point. I, I, I didn't know if it was more of a, like, a team needs to be highlighted more. Like, I remember it felt like every night you were tweeting about Ty France early last baseball season. Yeah. And I, I didn't there, know. There is, I mean, there is, there is definitely that element. And I can, uh, yeah, I, I think I think horny tweet is actually the right way to put it. Because I can get a little obsessive with teams. But those are usually teams that I'm very fond of and feel like don't get the love that they should necessarily. And, uh, you know, I was, there's also an element to it. I'd be lying if I didn't say this where when I'm early on something and I'm right, I'm never going to say, Hey, I was right. I'm just going to point out Mm. that I said this and allow the, the reader viewer listener to, uh, make that inference. That's uh okay. So we're ready. We're all prepared for that now, um, Jeff. We I, as I told you, we we kind of have to start get making moves. I I guess I want to hear one more team out of your mouth. Um, that <clears throat> I I guess I can lay out a couple options, but you know we've got this small sample size. Milwaukee, another team with a history like the Rays, uh, that they retooled and have a lot of young guys that look good. Um, uh. I guess I, I'm not going to throw Pittsburgh out there because I think that's to a different degree. Maybe the Texas Rangers. I, I guess what's yeah. one other team that it's like, for me it's kind of the Texas Rangers with how many guys they've added in the past two years. And seeing Bruce Bochy come out of that dugout did something for me. Um, I, I guess what's what's the other team that's turning your head early this season? I picked the Brewers to win the Central, so I feel good about that. I think I had the Rangers on the cusp of a playoff spot. And the other team that I said was going to be better than people think was Arizona. And Arizona is just taking such advantage of the new rules. They're an extremely athletic team. And I love athletic teams because the the thing that we have now, in addition to shorter games, Jake, is stolen bases are up year over year, about 50%. Crazy. Um, and, uh, you know, they got guys who can run, whether it's Jake McCarthy, Josh Rojas, or Corbin Carroll, who I've got a total man crush on. And when I saw Kevin Durant at a Diamondbacks game wearing a Corbin Carroll jersey, that just made me very happy. It's like I, I, love, I love it when people from the NFL or the NBA show love to baseball. Like when Aaron judge last year on the night, he hit 62. I was down on the field after the game and Micah Parsons shows up yeah. and Mike, like Micah Parsons is just a dude. I love watching him play football. He's an animal all over the field, fast, aggressive, mean, 
but that night he was just in awe of Aaron Judge and wanted to show up and show respect for what he does. And and the fact that Corbin Carroll already is having that same effect, um, he's just such a dynamic player, man. He's he's the fastest player in baseball. He's got power. He plays a really good outfield. Uh, he's super, super, super intelligent. Like, I got a story coming out on him, I think, next week or maybe the week after, where uh, Corbin Carroll, during COVID, uh, started taking college classes, and he was studying the Stoics. And it's like, what 22-year-old yeah. is, is, is trying to, to understand the meaning of life in that fashion. Well, it's one who is extremely dedicated to being a great baseball player. And, you know, you can work on your physical game and you can get faster and stronger and your swing better and your arm throwing harder. But the mental game, man, is such a huge part of successful baseball players. And at 22 years old doing that, I was blown away by by what Corbin Carroll wants to be, and I think he's an embodiment of what the Diamondbacks can be. Uh, if they get pitching, man, they're going to be a problem. Yeah, and they uh, they sneaky, you know, we play for rings in the desert. They, you know, I mean, Merrill Kelly was on that Team USA team. Zach Gallen is, has an argument to be a one in this league. They just, yep. you know, they need a couple of those other, the Dre Jamisons, Ryan Nelson, whoever it is, if they start to go... It's an yeah. it's an interesting formula. Dre, Dre, Dre Jameson's been really good in sort of that long roll uh, fireman type. Uh, Brandon Fox going to be a dude. Yeah, and once once he comes up, you know the, the Diamondbacks have done a, a very nice job of putting this rebuild back together. They need to spend some money this winter and go and get a starter. Like they need to get Julio Arias, and Ooh. I know. And I know the last time they spent money on a starting pitcher was yeah. Madison Baumgartner, and uh, that did not turn out great. The time before was Zach Granke, and that was fine. You know, they, they ended up getting Josh Rojas in the trade uh, from from Houston for him. So uh, that was okay. But, uh, man, Arias would just be so perfect for that market, for that team, uh, the fit could not be better, and if you stole them from the Dodgers, you know, all the better. Man, that would be uh, that would send a little NL NL West siren. I'd I'd uh, I would love that. And if it's not him, there is there will be pitching this free agency. Not the hitting market yeah. might be funky, but there will be pitching. There's no might be the hitting market's a disaster. But <laughs> there, there is there is going to be a lot of pitching this winter available, and uh, I I always look forward to the off season. Like that's that, that's just fun for me. You you've seen me at winter meetings past where I'm operating on two hours sleep and just mainlining Diet Mountain Dew, and uh, I I love it, man. I I absolutely love it. You are you're the kingpin. It it it, it all goes through you. It feels like a big baseball drug ring, and you're at the top. Um, Call yeah. me Pablo. <laughs> you know, called you a lot more than that, Jeff. Uh, we <laughs> we uh, we got to get moving, Big Daddy. I I appreciate you. I w- I wish we could yak it up more, and uh, maybe we will sometime soon, whether talking baseball or in person or wherever it is. But um, thanks thanks, brother. You're the best. I look forward to it, buddy. Take care. See you, Jeff. All right.
Thank you to Jeff Passan. Uh, I think we're at 9.55 something subs or something like that. So start subscribing. If you, if you listen this far. Yeah. 10 drop a k- sub. 10K soon. And uh, yeah, we got to roll. So see you guys everywhere else on John Boy Media and see you here Monday. Love. Love. Thanks, Jeff. Tweeted him.